0: Is that, that's the second time he's gone off? They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it
1: better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team.
0: Second captain, first captain, whatever. Welcome to a very special edition of the Second Capital Podcast, coming at you from the beautiful, the magical, the wonderful, Witty Island! good yeah. night. What a spot now in the last couple of years. We've been doing shows in New York, in, ah, where else, in San London, San Francisco, some fairly glamorous spots, I'm sure you'll agree, but I'm going to go out on lame limb here and say already, this tent, on this tennis court, outside the Bankhouse pub, <laughs> in Whitty, is my favorite venue ever to do a podcast uh, in, I think. Are you with me? Yeah.
2: Everyone's with me. Yeah. What ju- a scene, right? The jewel of Fancy Bay, the beautiful Widdy Island. As we sit here just after midday on a beautiful summer's day, I can see the sun glistening off the sea outside there from the side of the marquee. Literally, no one wants to come in here and listen to us, but it's fine. We'll let you back out to it soon enough, don't worry. By the way, we do need to get some of the logistics out of the way here first, everyone. So there are a number of fire exits here. So basically, there's a few to the back, there's a few to the front. Uh, to this basically just lift up the tarp and leave whenever you, whenever you want to do it this, this is how we do it on the island I'm here about 18 hours so I've, I think I feel I've fully adjusted to island life
0: Mark and Simon over here have been working around the clock to put this show together as always I haven't noticed you doing a huge amount of preparatory oh, well,
2: worker. Hold on a second, Ola. I hate to interrupt you, but it's often been said of me that I couldn't order organize a piss-up in a brewery. But of course, we all know that's not true. I'm just very discerning about my breweries, that's all. And when it comes to breweries, I go for the best. Yes, that's O'Hara's Brewery. Oh, me oh my, what a brewery. <laughs> From fragrant and fruity light ales to lagers that are rich and deep and <laughs> so goddamn pure, it's just got to be O'Hara's Bury, please drink O'Hara's responsibly. We're recording this (laughs) show
0: right after the first test between the Lions and New Zealand. The game itself didn't quite work out as planned, so I think the best thing to do is base our entire analysis... On that Sean O'Brien try, basically, yes. we'll, we'll, <laughs> nothing else. Yeah, we're going to freeze uh, freeze at the moment that Liam Williams sidesteps Kieran Reid and makes him look like an idiot. Yeah. it's, it's all. It really
2: looks like we're going to do something.
0: We are going to get into the game in a little bit. Unfortunately, we don't have Shane Horgan with us. He's put oh. his back out. He actually he was dying to make it over. He's been in bits all week, unfortunately, and and couldn't make it over. He will be at home listening, I'm sure. Shane always listens. So, can we wish him well, maybe? If we'll you want, want big, to, no, repeat after me. Get well soon, Shane. <laughs> Mediocre, I don't think that's going to help me a huge amount No, 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 no.
2: Dude, It seemed quite annoyed Get, <laughs> Get on with the listening. show
0: was yeah, yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the message there, I think We'll remind everyone of what we're doing here on Whitty Island on this beautiful July <laughs> Saturday afternoon This was Lions Prop, Tyke Furlong, speaking at our live show in the Liberty Hall late last year uh, You grew up on a farm, as you mentioned you, US Murph mentioned your uncles who were fishermen that's, Is that where the natural physical strength comes from?
3: Yeah, uh, my mother comes from this tiny island off Bantry Bay um, in West Cork called Whitty Island. I mean, this place is barren. Uh, oh, yeah. It's three miles wide by one mile uh, long. And, um, I mean, there's only about 20 people live on this island. So uh, my uncles are all huge men, hardy men down there. And I think that's where I got my size from. And um, Very hardy fishermen. And one of my uncles is the ferryman, ferrying out to the island. Once to get you there, he has you in a trap. Yeah. <laughs> he owns the pub on the island See At <laughs> he, penny you spend on Woody Island It's going yeah. to your uncle basically yeah. Yeah. If you want to rent a bike He has the bikes in the island <laughs> or if you even want to stay overnight He has the holiday homes as well so If you ever think of going down there He's a good contact to have but.
0: Well listen he has us in his trap now I think So let's get him up here It's Ty's uncle Tim O'Leary <laughs> Away. Tim, were you proud of Tig out there today? I was,
4: I was. I probably watch it later, I didn't get much of a chance to watch it this morning. No, but I, uh. You
2: put on an unbelievable fry-up for us all, so we thank you for your efforts. <laughs> thank oh, you. Oh. That's
0: the biggest cheer so far is for the food. So tell us the background, Tig's background here. You, you, Tig's mum, Margaret, is your sister?
4: Yeah, uh, Margaret's my sister. She's the oldest and I'm the youngest, and uh, there's five of us here. Um, so she's in Wexford now, I think, about... 35 years she's teaching
0: blood. But you're still claiming him down here. I could show you No question about that. Yeah. Um did he spend much of his
4: uh, you know, summers here, that kind of thing? I would, yeah, he would. Um his brother Owen would probably spend more time here than Ty, but Ty would spend a lot of time. The mother would have school holidays and the father's a farmer, so they'd be, they'd be heading down.
0: So you don't have to be too nice here now Tim. you're among no, friends. No, I'm not that nice, don't worry. <laughs> Great, well, pr- that's perfect then. What was Ty like as a young lad? It's not, I uh, not, don't want to be nice, but he's getting big and I'm getting small. So I'm not
4: going to say much. Ah, he's his sound old character, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah down to the ground. Everything he ever done, he was always single-minded. Stubborn is the word, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right. Dead right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, must have been that from his father's throat, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, he was always, he always loved sport, like, always.
2: And there's, like, plenty of manual labour to be done on the island. I mean, how is he on, in, on that front?
4: I'm not saying he ever done any of that, no, like.
2: <laughs> he had to mind himself, too, like, you know. Yeah,
4: actually, the last time he was down there, I know, he was giving me a hand doing a few jobs, and all I could say to him is, it's a good job you can play rugby.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so,
4: yeah.
0: Gaelic, it's really Gaelic football country around here, though, so you probably would have had him playing Gaelic ahead of rugby? Yeah, but his father always played rugby. I think he was always earmarked for
4: rugby, even though he played a bit of hurling. He won, um, he won under 14, in learned with Wexford. Um, probably didn't have the physique to go any further and hurling. <laughs> <laughs> um, done, well, done well to get as far as he did. Um, <laughs> But yeah, his father, played, his father played rugby all his life. So the rugby, like the rugby, the love of rugby came through his father, definitely.
0: It's amazing. It's happened so quickly for him. Like he, it was this time last year, he playing against South Africa. His first start for Ireland just over yeah. a year ago. And now he's out there playing for the Lions. And it wasn't even one of these marginal kind of calls. Like He was always in there from the start of the tour. Is it kind of hard to believe how quickly your nephew has gone and started playing for the Lions?
4: It is, yeah. Um, I was watching, actually watching the, um, the New Zealand game. I was watching the Boston Band Bantry. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, my nephew, Sean, he works there on the weekend, so he kept a seat up by the TV for me. So I was watching it, and then I sat down, and there was this kind of a real D4 couple ahead of me, you now sitting down watching. right? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so the, um, the worst. Your one goes, uh, <laughs> absolute <up>. worst. <laughs> so the, 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 the husband and wife, at halftime, they said to me anyway, like, um, you know, I believe Tyke Furlong has cousins down here. I was going to race, so I said, oh yeah, I think he has a right, white So I just passed it off. So this fellow behind me, who was sitting behind me, so he goes, oh no, that's his uncle, that's his uncle. So anyway, I said, "Oh yeah, I am." Yeah, so that was fine. And um, had the husband goes, "I mean, uh, was his father a big man? Where did he get his size from?" <laughs> and his his, 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 the wife just turned around she, and she completely dropped the D4 accent. It's fucking blowing, she said. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when it struck me. So that's when it kind of struck me. The Tigers, nice. I was under way. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think Tig's grandmother is here today as well. She is down the back when there. Hello she's hello to gonna Noreen kill me now for pointing her out. A round of applause, please.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I, I take it uh, Noreen is Tig's number one fan. Yeah, she's gonna kill me now again. Anyway, but I'd say
4: that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was up at the French match this year, and my sister Mary is alongside her. there now just the balance it out. Hi, Mary. Hello, Mary. So <laughs> I rang home. For, I rang home after the French match, anyway, and I said, "How did that? How was you know, My sister was down visiting. And she said, Jesus, she said, herself is after doing more running than Ty, because every time the scrum went down, she run out the door in case she getting hurt. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, she's his biggest fan, yeah. Yeah,
0: everybody's, everybody's very proud well, of him. Well, he's got the
4: two grannies. He's got the granny and Wexler as well, I'd say they're, they're his two
0: biggest fans, I'd say. Absolutely, yeah, everybody's proud of him here. Although not proud enough, I see, to have any Leinster flags flying outside. Munster flags flying proudly. Flags. Uh, look, moderation and everything else, come on. <laughs> <laughs> So Tim, tell us a little bit about where we are. You can do your bit for the, the tourism trade here on Whitty Island. What kind of views that people got? Oh, well, uh, what we allow of all, people back out to the sun?
4: It's not bad, OK? Let's get that. <laughs> let's, let's knock that one on the heads straight away. Um,
5: <laughs>
4: oh, yeah, no, it's a lovely island. It's, um, and he's wrong. The population is 30 now. We're increasing. We're coming up. Um, so, yeah, like you see this morning, it's a 10-minute ferry trip across. It's a uh, nice town in Bantry, um, on the wild lengthy way. Good old community here always, good old crack. Um, pub and a restaurant, of course, and bike <laughs> and all that. Toy, because all that base is covered. Um, oh yeah, it's a lovely area, and you have the, the, the Caha Mountains here behind us, and you have um, the Sheaas did along It's lovely. It's got a bit of everything. It's got water, mountains, scenery, yeah. nice
0: people, and everything. That's amazing. I mean, it, it was one of the islands that was featured on a TV3 show a while back, and you were on that as well as your brother. And I remember you, you were making the point that a lot of other islanders, like people on different islands weren't aware of Witty or weren't necessarily aware that people were even living here. So you've kind of made, made an effort to have people connect with the place again and get, yeah. and get people over get it going. I think they know who we are now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, I mean, we can't even take all the credit for it. I mean, you know, <laughs> I suppose you guys have helped too, you know? Yeah, yeah.
4: Like all, like all the cousins in the family, they're all on the tiger on Twitter and Facebook after Connie the Baron Islanders. There's no such thing as bad publicity. We'll take it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, listen, I think the last question I have to ask you, Tim, is... I need to talk to a man about renting a bike after this show. I presume you, you wouldn't know anyone, wouldn't would know anyone around the island to get a bike?
4: I know a man who knows a man.
0: Good man. <laughs> yeah. That'll do the job. <laughs> amazing stuff. Thanks for the amazing welcome here. You're as as well. right. brilliant. Yeah. 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 <laughs> amazing. Thanks so much. Thanks to Tim and Kathleen and to Norian and everybody else here. on I'm guessing there's only one person on the island today who has ever scored a try against the All Blacks. No disrespect to the rest of you. Yeah. So let's get him out here. It's the former Munster and Ireland player, Barry Murphy, everybody. Hey, Barry, how you doing? Be great, yeah. It's great to have you here. First Thank of you. all. Thank you for having the me. The video we've been playing for the benefit of our listeners here is Barry doing what he does, doing the day job, playing with the brilliant Hermitage Green. <laughs> Will we have a look at Barry playing rugby? Do you want to yes. look? Okay th- th- this is but against Sale like in the, oh, the- first time? For Murphy. Lindsay.
6: Murphy looking around for support. Oh, he's going himself! Who writes the script? Woo!
0: You would have been happy enough with that, one, I'm sure, on the day, Barry.
7: Yeah, um, that was yeah probably the highlight of uh, a short career. So um, yeah, I was kind of playing a home game in Thomond Park, one of my first tiny Cup matches. To get a lucky bounce like that, and uh, I just kept running, and yeah, it was kind of I don't know. You go into that zone where you can't remember what happened, but. When you've done it, go Callan and then Raj jumping on top of you at the end like that, going <laughs> mental—it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty special moment. Nice beating, I'm sure. Yeah. What are yeah.
0: you, you making the Lions today? Could they, is it, could they have done any more? New Zealand just too good.
7: Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, if you'd have told me that they'd put in a performance like that at the start of the, the, of the day, I'd have been pretty happy. I think you know to think that they, at 60 minutes, we all thought that they still could have won the game. I think you know there was a weird 20 minute patch at the end. Where, or kind of in that middle of the second half where it just went a little bit stale, but they played some brilliant rugby. Um, the All Blacks were just... I mean, they do things that they... Like, they attacked the, the inside channels, I thought, today, where the Lions weren't expecting them to. They thought that they would have, you know, maybe attacked wider channels off Loney, but they didn't have, you know... Um, Aaron Smith was just dodging around the sides, and they just kept attacking that pillar AB... And then they'd flood that again. So you've got the same defenders defending that. And it's all the pack that are just constantly defending. You could see them in their faces after 20 minutes. They were all absolutely exhausted from absorbing that kind of pressure. And that's what the All Blacks can do. They can, you know, no one would have expected them to play like that. Um, so I think for the boys to go out and score tries like they did and get within five points with them after 50-odd minutes, I think is, is a pretty good... Um, it's a good start to the, to the test.
0: Yeah, like in some ways, were they better at the, some of the things that we weren't expecting, like counter attacking, for example, but then maybe... Back three. Like yeah, back, back, back three, three were amazing. And that yeah. was supposedly yeah. going to be a weak link for the Lions, but then some of the stuff that has been perfect up until now, some of the forward play and the defence, as I say, didn't work
7: out. Yeah, I agree. I think the back, like the outside backs were, were absolutely brilliant. Um, but I think, you know, that's probably where New Zealand let them off the hook a little bit. You know, everyone was expecting the Lions to, to put it up to them up front and with the set piece and so on. So the All Blacks may have flipped it on them and said, right, we're going to take you out at source and just go, just zap them for energy. Um, and if you do happen to score out wide, then fair play to you for doing it, because it is tricky to score out there. Um, so I think that's just the, the level they're at, that they can switch from those style of plays whereas I think Northern Hemisphere teams were a little bit guilty of playing like at the moment we've all got into this habit of playing first pass to the first receiver then he's got an option to either tip on to someone or or to pass it out the back door and then it's generally going from away from the rock all the time and that just becomes that you know I'm sure you're all aware that that's the way everyone in Northern Hemisphere rugby is playing at the moment that outside back door pass and then across the field and side to side whereas the All Blacks were probably the first to do that. They can flip into that whenever they want. But then... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tim. We're, not all, we're not all taking our trousers off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Tim, is, Tim is just dismantling the just, I think just it's For those, those of you listening at home. I think, t- I think Tim is trying to give us
0: a bit of fresh air. It's yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, very much appreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just painting a picture. Yeah, Barry's pants Obviously Barry's pants are off, <laughs> yeah, Mar- <obviously>, pants <laughs> a off for they the last that hours. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't watch a rugby game with his trousers on. <laughs> <anyway.
7: That's laughs> What was I talking about? <laughs>
0: well, something I wanted to talk about was Steve Hansen, who got the last word in for the time being and his little war words with, uh, with Warren Gatton. He says, "I always f-, this is after the game, he said, I always find it amusing when everyone says that they're going to beat us in the tight five. We can play down and dirty rugby too. W- were, were the lines lulled in a little bit to uh,
7: a bit of a false sense of security, forgetting how good that the New Zealand pack was? Yeah, potentially. I think that's that's what they're so good at is, is giving you that impression. Well, they can do that anything, you know. They, I mean, who's to say that if they didn't play that way and played out wide that they would have put 80 points on us? You know, but that's... I, I,
2: yeah, <laughs> I think that's it. That, like, you can talk about mind games and all the rest, but they can choose the terms of engagement. So if, yeah. Yeah, if they want to beat you up at, up front, they can do that. And if they want to score four unbelievable tries by their back three, they can do that as well. Yeah. That's just an option that
7: no, not many teams have, and not many teams in any sport have. Yeah. They can choose how they want to beat you precisely yeah. and and that's the level they're at and I think we're all searching to be um that confident and and that we have that you know I think we all have that ability in you know as in we I think all the the northern hemisphere teams um and the the club teams as well Everyone, you know I see kids in school that I can play the way the All Blacks play throw offloads like that but it's having the confidence and having the the quick thought process to to react to different situations and I think that's what he said as well after the game is that yeah we can um we can you know, we can play with what's in front of us. We don't. It's not a set game plan of what we do. It's just go out and play with what's in front of you, and that's when rugby's at its best, and that's what we all want to watch. And um, and you know, I hope we can you know the Lions maybe go out and just play with a little bit more freedom over the next few weeks because that's when they were at their best today, when Williams made those breaks, or when Davis is when they just threw caution to the wind and had a go. It's probably good for the sport that that type of rugby wins the
0: day, You know that New Zealand are going to play at that level, and that, that the Lions have to try to match it
7: have to try to be creative themselves yeah i think so um you know it's it's hard to get fully into the invest in the lions thing because it's not your home country your home team so for me i just want to see brilliant rugby and it's hard not to appreciate what they're what they're doing and um yeah i think anytime like when we played the all blacks in, in Thomond park i think just to to go back to my one experience with the whole build-up it was um you know it was that whole two weeks building up to that game there was something special going on there you know there was 30 years before the All Blacks had been beaten by Munster in Thorn Park and this was the anniversary and um, we knew there was something and it was on a, a bigger level here you know that we were working on I think that's what builds you up for those games and you just have to you know you do your homework and so on but you let go and you just go out and you play you have to almost play them at their own game you know I think that's when Ireland beat them last year That was the first time. The only other time was when they almost beat them in in the Aviva, when they've probably thrown more offloads in in a game than they ever have. And that was the first time that they came close to it. And then last year, they finally did it. And it's playing that style of rugby. Uh,
0: Tell us a bit more about that occasion, though. It's really interesting because looking back at it today, I'd forgotten how big it was. The fact that it was the 30th, the the Tom Park reopening, the 30th anniversary of 1978 and all that,
7: it's it's incredible. Even the boys doing, the Munster boys doing the hack beforehand. Yeah, it was. I think, um, you know, this week I've been thinking about that game a lot and um, and it's it's weeks like that. Like I remember the build-up for it. I hadn't played in a while. I was injured and uh, I would normally have been a quiet enough player. I wouldn't have approached the, the coaches too aggressively or anything. If I was picked, I was picked. No matter where I was playing, I didn't mind. But for that few weeks building up to it, I, I just knew... I had to play in that game because of the history there. And I remember going into Tony McGann and, and a week before the game, and I had a big speech just planned on how I was going <laughs> to basically tell him how I wanted to play, but then beg him to play me in the game. And, uh, <laughs> and I went in, I knocked on his door, and I just said, can I have just a word? And I got halfway through my speech, and he just said, Baz, uh, I trust you, you're in, man, it's cool. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. it. No, no, so no, I have I, to have I don't to have, have to get my knees. <laughs> And big. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, the whole so the whole build-up after that was, you know, you're thinking back to... Uh, for me, I think when you play the All Blacks, and we all aspire to to play at some point uh, as a kid when you dream to play, you're watching the hack. And my dad was absolutely obsessed with, with New Zealand. I grew up in a rugby family. He played uh, for Bows and St Munchens and Munster Junior Team. And my brother was obsessed with rugby. So I was born into this, and it was always... You get up in the morning and of a, an Ireland-New Zealand match and you're rushed down at three three years of age for it to watch the haka. And it was just this, you know, something, you know, who are these guys, who are these warriors? And there was something mystical about them. And my dad had toured New Zealand back in the early 70s and, uh, you know, made a bromance with every house he stayed in. He still has best friends to this day that are all Kiwis and they would ring and be like... I'd answer the phone at maybe five years of age and would be like, we fucking smash you today. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like... And I'm still like, we fucking beat you in 1978. <laughs> 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 Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, I had An awful the, lot to you, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I had that bed into me from an early age and uh, we went to New Zealand when I was 10 and and did a, a tour around for a month in a camper van, staying with all these people that, people's houses and stuff, so then to think, 18, 16 years later, that you're playing them in your backyard in, in Thorne Park was, was quite surreal, and that whole build-up that week was very emotional, and then, as you said, the hacker mm. when Rua and Dougie asked us the night before, you know, they actually came in and asked us, can, can we do the hacker? and they did it for us in the dressing room, and we were like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can do the haka. <laughs> <laughs> um, You've never looked into someone's eyes when you went the way Doug Howlett looks into your eyes. <laughs> it's pretty scary. So. And when they did it, it was just, I mean, I think when you're playing the All Blacks, you have to kind of get them on a neutral level or something where you can bring them down a little bit and get them off that pedestal while still admiring how incredible they are. Um, I think that's what we did that night when they did the haka. Um, you could hear dogs barking in Thomagate, like around the world, you know, there was silence. And you could tell in their eyes that they felt it and the whole crowd felt it and we felt it that we're on the same level here. There's no difference. And the teams that night were incredible. You know, they had a fucking serious team and everyone considered us to be a weakened uh, monster team, but we had Dougie ruan and Strings and guys that went on to be superstars and like Dunnick Ryan and James Collin and, and guys like that. So their, you know, their team
0: is actually stronger than I remembered it. When I was looking back at the game, the, by the either starting or coming off the bench, they the likes of
7: Mully Aina, Liam
0: Messam, Brad Thorn, Piri Wipu, Joe yeah. Rocatoco, like yeah. superstars.
7: Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, uh, it, you know, there was, it was no mean feat getting that close to them. And I think Rua and Dougie really led the way that night, you know, and they, they brought that to us when they came for those seasons. They brought that way of playing to completely adjust um, to what's gone in front of you. You know, I mean, Rua, that, the the try that I got, like I didn't have to do anything but run five feet and put it down but I remember standing on the wing and wondered, the the, the scrum fell and I wondered whether I should get involved so I walked over and Ru was pointing at the, the All Blacks back line but he was talking to me and I was like over here and he was there Baz, stay in your fucking wing, stay in your wing mate and I was like oh, right. right <laughs> so, and he completely fooled them you know and they defended like no one defends that easily off a scrum, you know. He completely tricked them and, and told strings to go the other way, and it was the easiest try I ever had to dot down in my life. Murph, I'm gonna give you a spot quiz here.
2: Okay.
0: New Zealand played five games in that tour. Yeah. I mean, they'd England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and Munster. Yeah. How many tries do you think they conceded in total? Uh, I'm gonna say
2: one scored by Barry Murphy of Munster. <laughs> well, that gives away the <laughs> <laughs> the only well, try
5: scored in that question. tour. Don't a question I know the answer to. <laughs> <That's okay>.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: And when you see it, I didn't really have to do much, to be honest. <laughs> Peter Stringer nearly lost his midsection while <laughs> yeah. allowing me to score the easiest try ever. But And yeah. then New Zealand did a, their usual New
0: Zealand thing and got a late try. I mean, you were close, but three or four minutes left.
7: Yeah, um, it was, you know, going from potentially the best day of your life to the... Like genuinely the worst day of your life, <laughs> you know, um in a matter of minutes is uh yeah it's it's a rotten blow, but that's what they'll do to you, and if you switch off for a second, which we did, and Ro Coco scored uh in the corner two minutes to go, really similar, it looks really similar
0: to the twenty thirteen try against Ireland in almost identical- si- uh, situation yeah. they just go yeah. through the fa- they don't do anything special, like there's not one amazing thing necessarily, but today they probably did do a few amazing things, but yeah it's just doing just really tiring the defense out and then getting over and staying calm.
7: yeah i think we were particularly worn down at that stage mm-hmm. there was bodies just thrown all over the place from especially the pack the amount of work they went through that day um so there was no one to blame for it and as you said they just are clinical in those situations when you are uh, weakened and they they struck and yeah it was devastating absolutely like you know the cr- but you know, irrational things go through your head then that you've let everyone down and all that kind of crack and you've, you know, you've raised everyone up and dropped them down. So the dressing room was a bleak enough place. And um, I remember com- we were the last to leave the dressing room, myself and Ian Dowling, and I was just like, I couldn't face going back upstairs to to meet my parents. I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be, I've, I've totally let them down now. And uh, I, knew I went upstairs into the room where everyone is and my dad just was, had a big smile from right. ear to ear. Like, yeah, he's yeah. just like, He's like, I'm so proud. That's that's the best day of my life, and I was just a broke down, ball and crying. It was like I was hug- hugging his, you know, his knee as a four-year-old or something. After that, yeah, but yeah. and that that then you know you recognize how important it is and how the occasion is you know transcended that night. That it was bigger than any of us there. It was just a massive, you know, that's what rugby is. It's that bond between between people and from across the world and having that connection, and the phone was hopping from everyone from New Zealand over the years, going, you know, he scored against the All Blacks, and, and so on, so it was it So was they, were ni-
0: they were nice to you when, after you scored against them? Yeah, the yeah, as yeah.
7: Nice. just as we didn't win, they're bitter fucks, like, Jesus, you know, like, for a crowd that have won everything, like, it's like, yeah. Jesus, give us a yeah. chance, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Last word, I suppose, about Tyke Furlong, local hero. He's yeah, he himself um, well today.
7: Yeah, incredible, I think, uh, he embodies what it's what it's about, you know. He's the most passionate man you could. I've never met the man, but just watching the way he plays and stuff, and he he emptied himself in that field today. He left everything in, on the pitch. So, um, you know, he's a young guy. He's got, you know, what an experience for him. And uh, yeah, he's got to be very proud. And I'm sure everyone else is uh, very proud of him here. So
0: absolutely, Barry, you've been great, Barry Murphy, Thank you. everybody. Thank you. Brilliant stuff, Barry. Amazing stuff. Now we are here on Whitty Island. Have we got many World Service members here today? I presume the three lads at the front. Oh, yeah. With yeah. well, two of them, one hasn't, one hasn't committed there. Okay. Do we want to do we want to see the star of the Second Captain's World Service, the host of the Players' Chair, with Richie Sadler? Richie Sadler. Yeah. Richie. Richie. <laughs> it's
1: How are you, Richie? Hey! lads? Hey. And that was Richie Sandler, everybody.
0: Now, Richie, give the crowd what they want. Richie's Lions analysis, please. From the very first rook to the yeah. final scrum.
2: What about, um, what about the New Zealand mole defence you, you were talking about in the pub earlier? Yeah.
1: Me and Barry actually were chatting after the game, and every opinion I gave, he just robbed. <laughs> so, yeah. I think what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Probably should mention at this point that the fry-up kind of
0: was put outdoors at about halfway through the second half. And most people stayed in to watch Tyke Furlong playing for the Lions until the second half. Except for Richie, who was straight out <laughs> eating the fries. I didn't really see most of the game. It Fruit? was an
1: amazing
0: spread.
2: <laughs> it was an amazing spread. Yeah, you ate half it, so... Yeah, that's
0: why we're all hungry. The most recent Players Share episode, I'm sure a lot of you would have heard it, was with Damien Duff, uh, the most likable man in Irish sport, probably. There was a big reaction to one part of this in particular. We'll have a listen there.
1: One of the things which are most cringy about and I blame Tony Warner from this Liverpool sub goalkeeper who joined Millwall in the late 90s he arrived with a personal registration on his car it just said bonus that was his nickname at Liverpool because he got all the win bonuses without ever appearing on the pitch so it became the thing then at Millwall everyone just got personalised redges and me like a dickhead (laughs) went out and got a personal reg. so I I, I had an X5 and the registration was X5 sad (laughs) and I look back and go what a what a knob i was in my early 20s was there anything no, you did <laughs> listen i'm i'm no angel i did all that uh, as well do you have a personal reg yeah what was, well, like was yours a, a good friend of yours probably lucas neil aussie mm. he was at uh, blackburn with me i think he was into regs obviously at the <laughs> time and he goes duffer i found one that literally says duffer do you want it i was like Ah, sure go on so it think it cost me a grand or something i had that for two three years I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Get that off. So So there you go. I think think I'm going to have to change my my interview technique. Because up until now, I thought, well, if I give a little bit of myself, the interview will give a little bit more than the otherwise would have done. But I think... Long term, I think that's a strategy that will backfire spectacularly. (laughs) There's only so much a man has to give. Well, in terms of uh, a a back catalogue of cringy and embarrassing things, I've loads left to give. (laughs) We did
0: put this out to a Twitter poll. Should Richie change his Twitter handle to X5sads? Come on. The results are in, Richie. And it's a whopping 87% who say, yes, Richie should. 13% say, no, you shouldn't. I do have a question there. Why would... 13% 13% of people bother entering a Twitter poll and say, no, we'll leave it as it yeah. is. <laughs> the status quo is grand, Richie. No, no it I it prefer yeah,
2: a yeah, 12D, 10,700. Yeah, yeah. No, I go with that, yeah. yeah.
1: You enjoyed that chat with Duffer? I did, yeah. He was, uh, he's great. And I, I was actually unsure about doing it initially because we work in RTE and I didn't want to ask him anything that might get him in trouble. And we actually did it in the morning of Wednesday afternoon's Confederation's Cup coverage, which is a six-hour live show. And I was on Thursday as well, so it's a huge amount of prep involved in like being up to speed with Chile and Mexico and Australia and all these lads. You're not normally used to playing, and then in the middle of it all, I had to squeeze in this podcast interview with him, and and he was great. Um, could have chatted to him for ages about it, but then even after the the, the recording finished, we just ended up kind of chatting further about. He spoke a lot about his early days and missing home and, and and almost leaving home, and I did the same thing actually. He said after nine months, he rang his parents and said, "I'm coming home." My phone call came at about five months. I went over in August 96, and in January 97, I rang my mother in tears, saying, this is shite. I'm missing all the stuff that my mates are doing. I'm not going to make it. The coaches don't like me. The weather was crap, so we weren't even playing matches. And I said, I had been home at Christmas and got on great. So I said, listen, I, I, I'm leaving. And that was on a Tuesday night. A few days later on the, f- on the Friday morning, the manager called me in and said, listen, you've been doing really well. You've kept your nose clean behavior-wise. As I revealed in that interview, I was hanging around with a couple of dodgy lads, but I'd always kept my nose clean. And he said, "You're going to make your debut tomorrow." So I went from being as low as I could be in the Tuesday. I made my debut on the Saturday, and I thought, "Why, God, this is the greatest day of my life." About two years later, I was at a family do. My mum had a few glasses of wine in her, and um, <laughs> we were reminiscing about this phone call. And he just said, "Jesus, and the great I stayed, and you know, different things would have been." And she just leans in and goes, "Do you know I made a phone call?" I said, go on. What she did, she rang my Belvedere manager the club I played for in Dublin and said, listen, my son's having a mare, blah, blah, blah. He rang the chief scout at Millwall, relayed the story. He told the first manager. <laughs> Some youth players get their debuts because they show amazing potential
5: <laughs>
1: in training and they just wow everybody with their natural talent. I got my debut because I cried to my mother. <laughs> But it, wa- it, wa- it, was, it was bonkers, actually. Th- e- even the debut itself, I, I played for the last half an hour, and one in that half an hour, one Millwall fan invaded the pitch to attack the referee. <laughs> um, two of the lads kind of stopped him before he got too close. Another fan ran the length of the pitch to attack our manager. We'd lost a few games in a row, which in Millwall makes the manager a legitimate target for attack, <laughs> seemingly. <laughs> but there was a ring of security around the dugout, so they didn't get to him. And then even after the match... We were told to stay in the players' lounge for an extra couple of hours afterwards while for the crowd to disperse, because apparently there was a, a demonstration occurring <laughs> in the car park. I would come to learn that a demonstration in Millwall means the cars are getting trashed.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: all in half an hour, all in your debut? All in half an hour, but actually nearly didn't make my debut. I'm talking way too freely here. Um, Perfect. I, I, I'd been home, as I said, at Christmas, and I'd, I'd met a girl, and she'd agreed to come over to, to visit me at the end of the month, so her flight was booked. So I couldn't ring her and say, listen, I'm playing a match, don't come. So she came over on Friday and the plan was to meet her Friday dinner time, check her into the hotel and go back. And I was obviously to go home and get an early night. Her flight was delayed, so I didn't get my train out of London Victoria Station till about 11 o'clock. And for a footballer to be out the night before a game doing anything is a big no-no. So 11 o'clock, I sit in Victoria Station, the train is about to leave and the whistle goes, it's that right, we're off. And then a bit of commotion at the end of the carriage, the door opens and two fellas come in carrying bags and I looked in absolute horror It was the Millwall physio and Jimmy Nickel, the first team manager. He's going, what are the fucking odds of this? (laughs) And I was sitting in a seat which faced the direction that they were walking opposite me. And there's nowhere to hide. So the physio walked by without making eye contact with me. So for a second, I was like, oh, Christ, I'm going to get away with this. And then Jimmy spotted me and looked down. His face just dropped and just goes, you're in the doghouse, son. Kept a straight face and walked on. So... In that moment, I thought, right, that's it, I've blown it. Yeah. I've completely undone his well-done son, you've kept your nose son speech of a few hours earlier. <laughs> and I slept really soundly that night. I had no nerves because I was convinced it's not going to happen now. So I showed up the next day and delighted then that I was named as a sub. And the, the, the assistant manager kind of just comes up to me and goes, I didn't ask him about I didn't bring it up. He didn't bring it up specifically. He just goes, Of all the bars in all the world. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: What is that... You talk about being homesick and one thing, you know, calling home. Mm. Is is the homesickness in a situation like that, is it purely missing your family, missing your friends at home, or is it that your life in London is difficult?
1: I remember before I went, 51 players from Belvedere signed contracts with UK clubs. Two of them made a career and 49 went home. So you, you, you do all the things that you would expect to do. Like me and Duffer were talking about it the other day, in hindsight, having had careers. And when you talk about it in hindsight, you just think, well, I'm glad I did it. It was all worth it because look at all the the, the memories I had. But majority, virtually everyone who makes all those sacrifices and does all those things will be doing it for nothing. So you kind of sit there and go, "Like, why do I think I'm going to be number three here? I'm going to be the 50th fella to go home, particularly when things aren't going well, which can happen in any sport. So it's a combination of everything. Like, you, you, you're 18. So at that point, all my mates were going to college. They were going out to have an 18th and all this kind of stuff, living the life. I had very little social life. The the English lads on the youth team would all go home at weekends. So the only ones left are the, the foreigners. And there's not a great deal to do because the club don't want you to really do anything outside of football. They don't want you to have mates outside of football. So... Throw all that in together and the voice in your back of your head going, well, this is all for nothing anyway, so why not just cut your losses and go home and have a bit of crack?
0: That's interesting because Duffer didn't seem to have that voice in the back of his head. He told you in the interview that his mother... Said to him, Damien, you know the door is always open. Obviously, he come back and live with me whenever you want. He said, "Ma'am,
1: never coming back.
0: <laughs> uh, certainly, uh, as in I'm going to make a career, but over there, you obviously didn't feel that same certainty in, in your own head. Is, is that kind of unique? Do well, most well, like you
1: have to say as well. I didn't have the talent <laughs> of Damien Duff. <laughs> 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 he was maybe justified to think what he thought, but it's it's a very rare thing. I, I, I've over the last few years, the majority of my conversations in this topic now are with the parents of players who goes over. Mm. Because a lot of people, for whatever reason, will put me in touch with, put them in touch with me. And I kind of have fairly regular phone calls with with several parents, mothers and fathers, who are like up the walls with worry about the world that their young fellow has gone over, or how they're doing, or how they're being treated, and and is it all going to be worth it? Because we generally only hear from people who've made it. And we, in this context, you sit back and you you talk about stories and you laugh and go, "Jesus, that's all part of making it." But for the vast majority, that's just an experience you have, and it goes kind of, it goes out from there. So, what
0: can you tell those parents? Is there uh, an ideal pathway? You know, a lot of players nowadays seem to stay in Arden longer. You know, you've got a lot of these guys who play at home and then go over, maybe. 1920 even 21 is that is that ideal rather than being like a 14 year old young lad going over to the uk it
1: it depends on the situation because you you really have to take each player kind of case by case because you you assess all the variables like some people will be from an environment that it's really healthy that they leave it as early as possible some people are in a social life you go right it's no good for you to hang around with those lads so get away from them as quick as possible. Some people, you think you promote the idea of education, but there are some lads who just have no place in school. They, they just don't belong there. So um, it, re- it really kind of depends. Um, there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer to that. But
0: For you, did it change? Like, as soon as you got into the first team, was everything rosy then? Was it as simple as just once you were playing for the team, you realised that, hang on, what the sacrifices are wor- worth it and I'm going to make a career from it?
1: Not really, because... Actually, a, w- a week, a- I, I maybe debut on that Saturday I spoke about, and then played the following week in an away game. And then two days later, on the Monday, uh, the club was put in administration. 22 members of staff were sacked, including the entire coaching staff of the senior team, the reserves, and the youth team. And a transfer ban was put on the club. And yeah. the PFA were brought in to negotiate on our behalf because the club were trying to enforce a 10% wage cut. 10% to me at the time was 33 quid. <laughs> 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 so I was in these meetings. First of all, when you're 18 in a group of senior players, you, you don't say a word anyway, and you're not even asked for your opinion, but the figures I was working off weren't going to be life-changing anyway. So all, all, you, you're kind of aware that you never get to a place where things plateau at a really good level because as that happened, you're, the manager who rates you can leave. You know, a transfer ban can be lifted and it'll sign someone who's better than you. Some money comes into the club and they'll replace you you can, as I experienced many times, get injured and <laughs> struggle to overcome injuries. And then while you're injured, a replacement can be brought in who really does the job. So I, I've never had a spell in my career that, that I ever thought, Ryan, I can relax now. Hmm. It's just, it's just it's not the nature of the, the job.
0: All right, tell us, Richie, before we let you off stage here, no pressure, but everybody here in Whitty Island is waiting to find out what your thoughts are and what the Lions need to do next for the final two tests. <laughs> if there's one tactical change you'd advise Warren Gatlin to make,
1: Look, you can play well for 40 or 50 minutes against the All Blacks, but you've got to play well for 80 minutes.
2: He's right, (laughs) you know. he's right. right. It's definitely
0: not incorrect. Richie Sadler, everybody. And that's the last time we ever talk rugby with Richie. I think you've got a public service announcement. Yeah, just another one here.
2: Um, We landed over yesterday, and uh, there was a leather jacket found here last night. It was in the marquee, uh, left behind (laughs) by someone. And uh, I'm prepared to fight any man for it. Uh, That's how we solve things here on Witty. So uh, line up afterwards and uh, try it. Just try it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're in GA country here. So let's talk a bit of GA if people are ready for that. We've got a couple of Cork All-Ireland winners with us. Please welcome Mark Foley and Damien (laughs) O'Neill. We seem to have... Mark here, all right. Damien, Damien has, Damien has Damien's gone through piss. Damien has gone. See <laughs> <laughs> to the toilet. Ah, uh, who cares? We want to talk hurling anyway. <laughs> so, Mark, you're uh, you're an All Ireland hurling winner, yeah. Based in Bantry, I'm right in thinking. I don't know if this neck of the woods is too well, but that's not a common thing. There aren't too many All Ireland hurling champions. No, I'll,
6: I, I'll explain. I'm, I'm actually from a village called Timoleague, okay. which is kind of closer to Bandon and Clenic Hilty. and I married a lovely uh, Bantry woman about twenty two three years ago. Yeah. And I decided to come down to Bantry. And uh, actually I will tell you a small story. When Tiger Forlang and his, his, his he was his one age with, with Connie, his first cousin here, we used to have him outside in the park, uh playing under age, under twelve, under fourteen, I remember he was he was he learned his Ball skills in Bantry.
2: <laughs> as, a, as a ringer, though, he was a little big, maybe. Well, you know, My concern would be there would be quite a bit of attention focused on the 14-stone, yeah. 14-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> that no one did, that well, none of his teammates d- knew his Trust game. me,
6: in Bantry, you can't be choosy when you're picking hurling yeah. teams. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, You know one end of it from the other. Fine, yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. No. Yeah.
0: Murph, Mark's be like too like modest, I'm sure, to list out his honours, the incredible amount that he's won in the game. So maybe you can do Yeah,
2: I, I'm going to double-check with you, because... Uh, it appears as if you won All-Irelands at minor, under 21, junior, and senior, and you won a hearty Cup and a Crow Cup and a Fitzgibbon Cup.
6: Yeah, I was fortunate. Yeah. That's
2: that's. O- I'm f- I was trying to get yeah. someone else. To that's pretty much
6: all of that's all the competitions. That's, that's all
2: of the All-Irelands. You won you won pretty much all of the All-Irelands. It's, it's an amazing uh, uh, roll of honour.
6: Uh, well, I was just look. I was I was lucky. I enjoyed it. I mean, like. Um, we, had, we have some great memories, and I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? I, and the medals. <laughs> <laughs> the medals, really, they, they're in some box at home somewhere. They're not even in ben, I think they're in Tim League, actually. They're not in Bantry, so I, I just forget about the medals.
2: It, it's weird, like, the 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 hurlers this year, uh, you know, the, that old line about cork hurlers, you know, they, they, they sprout up like mushrooms, you know? And it really put me in mind of you in 1990, because you had played, you'd made your debut in '89, alright? But you come uh, come into a Munster final, making your uh, making your Munster final debut, and you score two seven from play against the reigning All Ireland champions in Thurles. Like we, you know, with the the talk last Sunday was, oh, you know, this is kind of what we talk about when we talk about Munster hurling. You know, the sun uh, breaking the stones and all the rest. Like you did it on a day just like that and scored two seven in a Munster final. It's a pretty amazing thing.
6: Well, I suppose uh, Barry mentioned there a while ago. You kind of get into a zone, and and you kind of just you kind of, it was it was remarkable, you know, it was like as if, uh, <laughs> it's very hard to explain it, but I remember at a very bad start to the game the same day, I missed a f- simple free 30 yards out, and we had we, we a little competition in, in, in the week before, who's going to take the freeze, Kevin Hennessy, great, great friend of mine, and, and Kevin says, okay, Mark, we'll have a competition here, whoever wins this competition, free takers, right, so I won the competition, next thing 30 yards out, pisser of a free, missed it, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, and I, all of a sudden, you have a bad start. Your fucking head is frazzled. But then you kind of work your way into the game, and we were—I we, we, got a goal before half time, and it was—it was—it was kind of a bit of a game changer. But look, we were lucky. We were lucky, and I suppose the difference between now and then is wh- while Cork are going well at the moment, there are people waiting the long grass. You know, even if they win, I—I I think they've a good chance of winning the Munster final this year. But there are going to be some big hurdles to 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 don't let's not get carried away. They're going well. They're making progress. But uh, I think the, v- the management team have them really kind of in a great frame of mind, where they're taking performance by performance by performance, and it's next next game.
0: That match we're talking about, the nineteen ninety Munster final, was that the Babs Keating one? The donkeys don't win darbies. Well, uh,
6: that's an insult, not to me. But on,
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you calling me a donkey? <laughs> it was Babs's words. No, no, th- th-
6: th- yeah, yeah. But Babs had a, had a, had a, he had a bit of a he had a fondness for using agricultural terms, didn't he? You call the awfully hurlers sheep in heap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. and d- also d- d- that also came back to bite him. Did it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like. It he, he was never mentioned. It was, it was a great soundbite. It kind of sounds well, donkeys. I wonder, it was never, ever, ever used. We kind of, as a group of players, we, we knew that we had a, a job to do. And when you're taking on All-Ireland Champions and Torless, your head's on the block. Um, I, lo- I like the way this year's outfit are going about. They seem to, the management, let the players away out you know, before the game, there's none of this sh- shouting and roaring. I think the players, the the, the and the 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 Horgan's are taking ownership of the of the challenge this year. Yeah, and at
2: halftime in both games, actually, the, the Cork management have been out in this yeah. out in the field three minutes before the that's team. That's very erects.
6: noticeable. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Which is, it's something you don't see all that often.
6: I I think that's a good sign. It's funny because any
0: time Cork get on a roll like this, you hear that there is this confidence about Cork teams. But had that not been knocked in the years that. The, that it doesn't go well, or that's is it always ready? Kind of, does one big win tend to ignite it?
6: That is, that, that's quite an interesting thing about this year's team. You've 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 got like five young lads, four or five young lads on the team, and they don't have a history of winning minor monster titles. Or I'm sure some of them have never played, played in Crow Park. And the, the public in Cork are are great sports fans, and, and 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 they kind of get enthusiastic once they get a good win. I mean, like you have to say that the two performances so far have been have been edge of the seat stuff. Mm. They've been great entertainment. I mean, like we're looking now at. What, with all due respect to Dublin footballers tomorrow I mean you could sleep through tomorrow and there'd be no entertainment yeah. agree yeah I mean like we would love to have a Cork Clare game tomorrow to look forward to yeah. the Lions is good this morning but mm. the senior football championship is a, you know, it's a joke
2: Cork nearly lost to Waterford. and is the real only reason you're <laughs> saying that <but>.
0: the football <laughs> doesn't so start grand. until the end of August yeah. what have they done differently this year the management or the players why is it going and I know you don't want to talk them up too much <laughs> by the things, but we might as well because they're definitely going to win the All-Ireland so why <laughs> <laughs> What are the ingredients this no, year that have been put in place for this? Let's call it
6: back. Win? No, oh, and they, they they will they will have a job to do to win the Munster final. And it's nice to see the young guys playing with confidence. I thought what was interesting the last day was 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 to see you had two or three of the forwards the last day who will openly admit they didn't play up to up, up to par. So you had Harnady and, and Horgan kind of take you up the mantle and you still won the game handsomely. Now, are Waterford that poor? I, I don't know. I watched it again on Tuesday night and I thought Waterford were shabby. Yeah. You know? Um Austin Gleeson played toward totally the other position. Looked to be very, very frustrated. After 20 minutes, he was looking to sledge fellas, and that's not his game. You know, I, I, I thought, I, is there a kicking tip? There probably is. If they, if they get a bit of a few two or three fresh backs. Some of
0: this, the scores. I know you said the Cork haven't been winning underage, but. Uh, the skill level of one of Alan Cadigan's scores in particular, Conor Hahn has got a couple of absolute yeah. absolute beauties is that sort of thing coached or encouraged at underage level or are these just natural talents who happen well, to be ridiculously uh, skilled? I,
6: I, 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 there's a big talk about this Mark Coleman wing back, I remember Mark Coleman played with, with my own son at under 15, 16 level with Cork and he was an absolute whippet, I know, I know his dad's a big man but he's his emergence he's just confidence and class, I particularly remember one puck out in the first half that that Anthony Nash gave him under under the old stand and it kind of put him into a bit of a hole because he had two Waterford guys coming at him and he was like Jesus Christ that's a hospital pass and all of a sudden he he kind of danced out over the sideline popped it over your man's head took a belt of a shoulder and it, he, like he's his his these guys just they are really playing with confidence which I, I, I can't I don't know where the confidence is coming from but it's, is it a cockiness maybe it is yeah.
0: maybe, maybe, maybe it is you, you've been slagging off the football a little bit but no nah, not, 1990 was the double year wasn't it it was, that the, right, that was yeah, the last yeah. double um, did you guys feed off each other in any way or did, it, did it matter to the hurlers what the footballers were doing did it matter to the footballers what the hurlers were doing um,
6: I suppose the, at, at, in the final fortnight I suppose it did I mean like you had, you had Teddy and, and Dennis Walsh and guys were in line to get both medals and I suppose the hurling really was viewed as a bonus because, I mean, like, even against Tip we were underdogs. Even probably against Galway we were underdogs. We were 9 points out 50 minutes to go. Mm. I mean, like, that game was... In another in a, that that could have easily been lost. It's my de- most devastating and I earliest What age were you What age were Eight years on? old. Eight years old. sharp pants. Yes, of
2: oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was six foot two at the time, but nevertheless, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you gotta get wear out of them, you know. Uh, but yeah, it, it was like it was a game that Galway had won. They like, just threw it Yeah, 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 yeah Absolutely. Yeah,
6: absolutely. He, Joe Cooney got man of the match on 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 based on base of 30, 30 minutes performance. yeah he you know?
2: was 1-6 or something from play in the yeah, first half. Yeah, he was yeah.
6: absolutely running right. Yeah. So I, once the hurling was won, to answer your question, one, I, I think the footballers probably got a bit of confidence from it, yeah. But the, the footballers would probably have been in a far better position because they were, they were after winning the year
0: before. Yeah. Do you feel for the current Cork footballers that even when they squeak through matches, they seem to get abused from everyone uh, up and down? I just
6: think they need one serious performance. I mean, like they went to Kerry, was it, was it two years ago? Uh, I, I yeah, it b- came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, like it, they need a performance like that. The, the footballers are in Cork. I mean, like we talk about Mark Coleman's and Darren Fitzgibbons. These guys, there are far more underage footballers coming in Cork. Um, uh, it's just that they need confidence. It's 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 a big win. One big, sorry, not win performance. Even if they really, really get down to Killarney next week and perform, I think they can... But they're, they're, they're just scraping through games at the moment and, 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 and the public in Cork are demanding.
0: But before I let you go, you're saying Cork won't win the All-Ireland. You're just talking down a little bit there. Who is going to do well, it? I'm not saying year. they won't win oh, the okay. well, you're I'm
6: <laughs> killing me here, Mark. <laughs> I'm saying that they, if they win on Sunday week, they have a chance in the sense that um, they're straight into a semi-final then, right? Yeah. But there are guys in long grass waiting out there. The great thing back in our days, once you're beaten, they were gone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, listen. I think Damien has either left the island or he's got some. He's gotten the boat back to Banffrey. So I don't think we'll be getting get the chairman. I mean,
2: we could try and chase him but i mean, <laughs> good swimmers. Yeah.
0: A bit of stage fright, possibly. Listen, Mark, you've been amazing. Mark Foley, everybody. All right, a massive thanks to Mark there, to all our guests on Whitty Island There, We've had an absolutely unbelievable time. To Seascape Bantry, which is where we're the wonderful house we've been staying in. It. Uh, to Harrow's Brewery Murphy, your oh, favourite brewery, brewery. of course. To everybody brewery. here who's come along to the show, some people have come from far and wide. Give yourselves cheer. And especially big thanks, especially big thanks to Ty's uncle Tim and to Kathleen and to everybody else who've been absolutely wonderful over the course of the last couple of days. Tim, by the way, has told us that everybody here can enjoy free beer for the rest of the day. Yeah. Hold on a second. The, the name of the band playing is Free Beer. That's the live music you hear for the rest of the day. I, I, to I saved to do my do worst gag till last. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, folks. Thanks so much. Or goodbye, as should say.
3: This tiny island off Bantry Bay Pretty island, I mean this place is barren My uncles are all huge men, hardy men down there And I think that's where I got my size from It's three miles wide by one mile uh, long I mean there's only about 20 people live on this island One of my uncles is the ferryman Ferry Inn out to the island Oh, I say you'll be more than a match for Kay Borden or Terry Warden or any of them. to get you there, he has you in the trap. I'm the most wanted man on my island. If you want to rent a bike, he has the bikes in the island. <laughs> the English are gone, boy. That's a nasty sky you've got there, too. Gone?
0: Because I drove him out.
3: He owns the Pub on the island. He
2: was uh, in the neck. No outsider. You ignorant prick. I'm for my field.
3: If you ever think of going down there, he's good contact to have, <laughs> but.
6: the second time he's gone
0: off. They never go home. they never go home. they never go on.